Hi there, welcome to a weekly word where it is Christmas in July. Uh, hi, I'm Pastor Eric Tritton from Gloria Day Luther Church in Hudson, Ohio. And we're taking a look at the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. And as the story has gone on, uh, I want to remind you that very early in the story, when we meet the fawn, Mr. Tumnus, he describes Narnia as this place where it is always winter but never Christmas. Well, today Christmas comes. Um, the storyline is somewhere like this. Edmund has gone to the White Witch. Um, he is seeing how evil she is. He's recognizing that he's wrong, uh, but he's in her clutches. Uh, Peter, Susan, Lucy, and the beavers have had to run away to escape from the witch's wolves who he, she has sent to, to kill them. And they're in hiding. And as they're in hiding, they hear uh, a sleigh come through and they're afraid that it is the witch. And Mr. Beaver goes out to look and discovers that it is not the witch, but it is Father Christmas. The spell is breaking. Father Christmas has been able to get in. Now, when I say Father Christmas, we got to remember that C.S. Lewis was British. And uh, therefore, um, you know, here in America, we tend to refer to Father Christmas as Santa Claus. Over there, uh, it, it is definitely Father Christmas. And they look at him a little bit differently. And the way Lewis describes Father Christmas is, is even more different. Uh, he, he is this really rather incredible figure. In fact, I'd like to read a, a portion of the story that describes him. It goes like this. Um, Father Christmas was a huge man in a bright red robe, bright as holly berries, with a hood that had fur inside it and a great white beard that fell like a foamy waterfall over his chest. Some of the pictures of Father Christmas in our world make him look only funny or jolly. But now that the children actually stood looking at him, they didn't find it quite like that. He was so big and so glad and so real that they all became quite still. They felt very glad, but also solemn. Now, I, I'm intrigued by that last bit where they, they feel glad, but there's also this solemnity. And I think that the way that Lewis is describing Father Christmas gives us some things to think about in how we look at Christmas itself. Uh, and how we observe that, that sacred day. And part of, part of what I think we should grab onto when we think about Christ's birth, and part of what I think Lewis is driving us toward, is that this, this celebration of the incarnation, uh, of the coming of the Savior, that there is this mix of, of celebration and solemnity. And, and that's good. That there is a sense of, you know, uh, wonder and hope and joy uh, that uh, the Savior has come into the world. But there's also this, this sobriety that is about it, that there is this, uh, this pensiveness because we're waiting for our salvation. We know why the Savior has had to come. We know our sin. We know our brokenness. And there's a little bit of that theme of Advent that runs through this encounter. 
So you, you have these, these mix of emotions that are in, involved with looking at Christmas. In, in addition, uh, there's this recognition uh, of the conflict that is going on here. When Father Christmas gets into Narnia, you know, he, he says you know, that the witch has kept him out for so long. Now, in Christmas, it's not that the devil has kept Christ out, but there has been this long period of time where we have been waiting for the Savior to enter into what is essentially a hostile world. And that when Christ comes, that there is a conflict that is here. Uh, in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus talks about uh, if you're going to rob a strong man, you must first bind the strong man. And there's an element of that in Christmas, that Jesus comes to bind the ruler of this world, to bind the devil in order to win us uh, as his people. And, and then uh, another point to, to grab onto here in this encounter with Father Christmas is, is that he brings gifts, and they're earthly gifts. And there's a message, I think, for when we look at how we celebrate Christmas, that it is good and that it is right to enjoy the things of this world. God created this world good. And as Christians, we can, we can receive those good gifts, the, the good food, the feasting, uh, the, the comforts of, of, of the Christmas celebrations as something that is wonderful. So we, we don't have to be like the, uh, the American Puritans early on who rejected Christmas because of its excesses. Um, we don't want to uh, participate in excesses of gluttony and drunkenness, but at the same time, receiving those good gifts and just really rejoicing in, in the blessings that God has given to us in this physical world, it's actually a good thing. Now, I mentioned that Father Christmas brings gifts. And those gifts, he gives Peter a sword and a shield. He gave Susan a, a bow, a quiver of arrows, and a, a magic horn that will always bring help when it's blown. Um, that's going to be more important in uh, one of the other stories, Prince Caspian. Um, and then he also brings for Lucy uh, a dagger, and he gives her a, a little bottle that is, is filled with a cordial that will f heal people when they, when they take it. And then there's a, a, a feast that is given for uh, the children and the, 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 the beavers as they uh, um, get to break their fast that morning uh, with some tea and some good food. Um, and notice that there is no gift for Edmund because Edmund isn't there. Now, there's a little bit of controversy about this gift giving because Father Christmas, he differentiates between Peter and the girls. Um, after giving weapons to all of them, he tells Susan and Lucy, I do not intend for you to be in the battle. Um, and before that, when he gave the sword and the, the shield to Peter, he tells him that perhaps the time to use these things is near at hand in a sense that he's saying he expects him to fight but he expects the girls to not fight and this has led some people to wonder whether or not Lewis was sexist um, and I think that's a little bit unfair uh, this is a man who uh, uh, he's writing this you know in, in, the, in the, the the 60s and uh, um, you know he's He's a man of a different era. 
Um, he lived in a different time of, with different sensibilities and, and, and different gender roles. Um, and you know, we, we can talk about those gender roles at some point. Um, some of that's good, some of it's bad. And you know, that, that's just the world that he lived in. We live in a time that seems to be seeking to erase uh, the differences between male and female. I think that's problematic. Um, but some of the gender roles uh, are, are rooted in stereotypes that are not necessarily true as well. And so our, our current resistance to some of those um, stereotypes, I, I think there's an argument that that could be good because some of those stereotypes are, are silly. Some of those roles, they, they don't necessarily match, uh, nor is there anything necessarily from scripture that says men do this and women do these things. Um, however, I, I think that some of this is also evil. Um, rejecting the idea of male and female and, and blurring those lines more and more. Um, it's, I think it's, it's demonic because it's a, a rejection of our creatureliness and a, a rejection of our creator who made us male and female. And remember that in Genesis 1, 27 through 31, when God made humanity male and female, he said that it was good. Uh, I think back to an English professor that I once had, um, we were talking about men and women, and, uh, and his comment on this point was, viva la difference, you know, long live the difference, because it's good. Uh, and uh, I think that there's an opportunity to re receive God's good gifts in, in our roles as male and female. Now, part of that conversation uh, around male and female had to do with courage. And it really needs to be clear that Lewis was not in any way saying that there was no courage among women. Um, and, and honestly, courage is necessary for everybody. Uh, as we live in a fallen world, it's, it's necessary for us as we would seek to follow Jesus and to live uh, in his grace and to live a, a life of repentance. Uh, that's not an easy thing to do. And the children serve as models of different kinds of courage. Peter is going to serve as a model of, uh, of the warrior king. He is the type of courage that uses violence to fight evil. Um, he faces evil with strength. And that is a type of courage that we need in this world. Susan is more of a, a matriarch and a, a mother, although she never has children in the stories. Um, but her role very much seems to be one of, of nurturing, of bringing life into a world that is filled with death. And that's, that's another kind of courage. Lucy, according to her gifts, is a bit of a, of a healer. You know, and we can see her pushing back against the evils of this world uh, in, in the way that uh, she faces sickness and death and she seeks to bring healing and comfort and consolation to people who are broken. Uh, honestly, this is really reflected in the church, you know, by the way, uh, early on uh, we started hospitals to care for the, the, the broken and the sick and the dying. And then Edmund, although he doesn't receive one of the gifts from Father Christmas, he does display a type of courage later in his life. And it's, uh, it, it, he's called King Edmund the Just later on. And 
his justice is one that's very much tempered by mercy. Um, Edmund is going to be the recipient of great mercy, and that is going to show in, in the way that he reigns as one of the kings and queens of Narnia. And there is a very special kind of courage uh, in, in standing with the guilty in, in order to declare mercy and forgiveness and grace to them. And Edmund is that kind of a, he displays that kind of a courage. Now, as we think about Father Christmas and we think about gifts, uh, a lot of times we think about how the Holy Spirit gives gifts to believers, these spiritual gifts. And just as the gifts that were given to the children weren't just for their own benefit, but for the benefit of others, one of the things that we need to be clear about is that when the Holy Spirit gives gifts, it's not just for your benefit, it is for the benefit of the church, it's for the benefit of the people in your lives. Uh, and uh, it helps us to be able to uh, serve our neighbor, these gifts that, that God has given to us. Now, as I say that, there is one gift in particular that is extremely important that we always have to remember uh, comes to us from God, and that is the gift of faith. Uh, we learn in the small catechism that the Holy Spirit is the one who calls, gathers, and enlightens every believer, as well as the whole church. And so this very faith that holds on to Jesus is a gift that he gives. And so, I guess, Merry Christmas. You've received some great gifts, and, uh, and I pray that, uh, that you can use them uh, in God's service by loving and serving your neighbor. Thanks for taking some time to be with me. Uh, I hope that this has blessed you. If it has, please share it, like it, um, help somebody else to find it, and uh, maybe it'll be a benefit to them too. God's blessings. Mm -hmm.